You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we'll be talking about some games played, followed by some games that we're looking forward to, and our second attempt at our new segment, Poorly Described Games, followed by our top three games we shouldn't like, but do. Today's episode 26, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Christo. I'm Justine. And we're recording live from the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles, California. (laughs) No, sorry. I lied. We're still recording remotely. Probably for the rest of our lives. Hopefully not. Mm, I give it a year or something. Maybe by this time next year, we'll be back. Think about all the games that are being designed by designers just sitting at home hopefully yeah that's an upside i guess i would guess we're gonna see like an increase maybe with a delay because if things if people had more time to to design design games in the last three months it's gonna take a few more months for them to actually get out so maybe towards fall that's true yeah not this fall right do you think this fall yeah, maybe, because they just publish them and finalize the art and do the playtesting and stuff. So maybe the ideas that people came up with over the last three months are going to come out soon. They got to playtest them, though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't take... know how long it takes. It depends on each game, I think, and the style of the person designing it. It's true. Well, speaking of games, we have played some. So Fristo is going to lead us into this. Cool, we're jumping right into it. Um, I actually went back to Board Game Arena uh, out of necessity. We were actually playing with uh, a few friends of mine. Uh, We just decided instead of Tabletop Simulator to go on Board Game Arena this time, there were a few games we wanted to try on there. And uh, actually, I kind of started playing Hanabi which uh, I hadn't played for a while. I kind of go in these like kind of bursts of gaming. And last weekend was one of those bursts. Um, It's kind of obsessive. I get really obsessive with that for some reason. I think I spent like, I don't know, probably like eight to 10 hours over the weekend just playing Hanabi like over and over. And I thought that was a lot until um, on Sunday I played with someone who was really good, actually. Um, They were just like, they played kind of exactly like me, exactly how I like to play without even talking about it. Like, you just kind of, it's kind of weird. You play a co-op game with strangers on the internet and you never talk and you just kind of try to, well, there's some like unspoken rules and stuff which make the game better, but... Uh, this person was just kind of just really firing on all cylinders, just really kind of kind of reading my mind almost. Uh, we got like three perfect games out of three and really fast games too. Like just like it almost made the game look really mechanical and just kind of a joke. It's kind of like, well, it's too easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> then I looked at their profile and they play they had played Nabi. 3,800 times. What? Uh, I was like, wow. Yeah, so I guess I'm not actually the worst person as far as (laughs) Hanabi OCD. There are people out there who have played 
cannot be even more than me. So <laughs> pretty <laughs> crazy. But anyway, I, I probably probably played like 40 or 50 games all, all together over the last weekend. They go really fast online because of no setup. You can probably play a two-player game in like five minutes or something. Uh, I don't know. Actually, maybe five minutes is pushing it, but like 10 minutes. Uh, three, four-player game, slightly longer, but still it goes pretty fast. I really like this game. Um, I've actually kind of, I used to kind of play with newer people as well, which kind of led to some lower quality games because, like I say, there are these unspoken rules online on BGA, Board Game Arena, uh, which you should actually look up before you start playing kind of more seriously. And people will just like tell you once you start playing with people that are uh, more experienced. Uh, and I actually, over the last weekend, I kind of abandoned that and I started playing with the so-called, like, uh, I don't know, I hesitate to call them pros because, I mean, it's kind of a joke, like, Anabi pros. But there are people who really care about, like, uh, not losing the game, just having uh, uh, a high score because it gets recorded in statistics and you get this C-low, which in Hanabi doesn't mean, like, how competitive you are because it's a co-op game but it just means like how many games you've succeeded at so yeah um i started playing with some more kind of experienced people and it was actually a lot of fun i picked up on some even more knowledge of uh kind of strategy um the game gets really kind of interesting uh once all those rules are in play uh, Once you play like it 3,000 times? Finesse and stuff. Uh, no, I haven't played it 3,000 times yet. I think I'm pushing probably like four or 500-ish altogether. But, I'm yeah. And then after the weekend, I didn't play at all during the week. And I don't know when I will play again. But I just go in these bursts of a lot of playing of Hanabi and then pause. So, yeah, but that's... Uh, game that i picked up again after a while actually what prompted me to pick up is i played with this friend of mine and uh he had previously played it as kind of like a joke game with his family uh because i think a lot of people look at it that way as just kind of like a silly kind of card game thingy and they don't really play with those kind of rules like finesse and whatever um, that people play with online and he was kind of surprised to see that there's almost like a, a competitive scene so to speak for Hanabi online when I showed him and uh, we played a few games online uh, it was fun yeah so Hanabi so Hanabi came out in 2010 and it's 2020 now so if that guy had been playing since 2010 he's been playing for 10 years which would make he would be playing 380 games a year? Actually, it was a woman. Uh, no, I think probably 20... I think I looked at the profile. I think it was like 2015 or 13, something like that. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of games per year. But like I say, online it goes really fast. Like if you go uh, and just play over and over, I think you can knock out a good probably like 30 40 games per day if you spend your evening doing that or something yeah i mean you'd have to play every single day multiple times a day to hit that number that's crazy uh, yeah maybe a lot on weekends i don't know if it's every single day but yeah a lot definitely yeah. for sure like a lot yeah 
Yeah, it's definitely more than one game a day on average. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you never play just one game of Hanabi online for some reason. Like yeah. it just it's just always like uh <laughs> joke is like one more hit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That one game is not enough. I don't know. You you just kind of want to play at least like three or four, I think, once you start going. So this week, Matt and I got back into one of our favorite two-player games, which is Twilight Struggle. I've talked about this a bit before on the podcast. Um, in Twilight Struggle, you play either as the U.S. or as the USSR during the Cold War. Um and the gameplay is very card driven. So you've got a hand of cards and you're playing all but one of them out on your turn. Um, the main thing in the game is that if you play a card for your opponent, a card that has your opponent's color on it, they get to do the event on the card before you get to do anything else with that card. Um, so you get to choose whether they, or sorry, you get to choose whether they do the event or not before or after but they have to do the event. So it's kind of a fun, finesse game of when are you going to play these cards that are really powerful for your opponent, but they're also really powerful for you. Um, and it's uh, GMT, so it kind of has that war game feel. The rules definitely have a war game feel to them. There's a lot of if this, then this. The rulebook is big and thick and hefty, but it is a very fun game. Um, the card play in it is really neat. There's tons of strategy that goes along with it. Um, I ended up buying the version of it on Steam so that I can play with the expansion and some of the promo cards and kind of the updated game. We have the first edition of the game, which is missing a few cards, a few balancing aspects to it. Um, but Twilight Struggle is a really fun two-player war game. Um, it's hard to plan out because it can end in five minutes or it can end in six hours. You just don't know. We've played four or five times in the past couple weeks. And a lot of the times it'll just end abruptly because if you ever end up at DEFCON 1, whoever's turn it was when it was DEFCON 1 loses automatically. Um, and you can, all kinds of things can make that happen if you're not careful. Um, or you win if you get to 20 victory points or um, the game goes 10 rounds and the 10 rounds tend to be really long. So um, it's difficult to get on the table because you don't really know what your time commitment's going to be, whether it's going to be over soon or whether you're going to play for the whole day, but it's a really fun game. If you're looking for a smaller game, um, it, there's a game called Beer Sindas Folk. I don't think it's by the same designer, but it's got kind of that same card play mechanic going on. Um, in this game, it's set during basically the same time period, except it's centered only on East and West Germany. So one player is playing East Germany, one player is playing West Germany. Um, and basically you're in a competition to uh, the... East German players trying to build up their economy, get more socialists on the board. They win if at any point during the game there's all their socialists are on the board. They go to pick up more and they can't. Um, the East German player wins, or the West German player wins the game if they have managed to dismantle all of the East German economy. 
So it definitely is rough to play as East Germany because you're always kind of fixing whatever West Germany did to you. But it's a fun, shorter, quicker version with kind of the same card play as Twilight Struggle. An even smaller game is uh, Watergate, right? Has a similar yeah, card system. Much smaller. Yeah, I just yeah. recently played that. That's uh, I think it's probably going to be one of my favorite two-player games as of right now. It's yeah, I like Watergate a lot. Yeah, even smaller than that is Blitzkrieg, which I haven't played yet. I haven't been able to find a copy. They've been selling out, but yeah, you could just like keep scaling down. Yeah, and the multiplayer version is the Expanse. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's basically the same. Uh, kind of. Are you guys interested in Imperial Struggle, the follow-up? Yes, I, I was actually going to look or talk about that during our games. Looking forward to. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we ended up. That was one of our pre-orders that we ordered. It is out. We're just waiting for our order to come in. Gotcha. So uh, I played a card game that just released in the States. I'm pretty sure it just released. I don't know if it ever got a printing in the States, and that's Stick'em. Now, that's the American name. Uh, the German name is... Christo will help me out with this. Uh, this Stick'em. It sounds kind of the same, but it's... yeah. Does it mean it's the same kind thing? Kind of a you know? funny translation. It means actually uh, like pain or the something. Same, right? I think. No, oh. I think it's like it's literally, literally like poke them or okay. stick the stick them. So it's it's pretty good. Actually, f funny that it sounds the same, but I think it's a very kind of accurate translation. Yeah. Without looking, would you guys know when the original game came out? Like what year? Mm, no. If I were to guess, I'd say like four years ago that's just a guess that would be mine as well but when i looked it up 1993 the heck is it the same that's one without cool. any redesign like the exact same game N well no the art is a bit different from the original version now we played a german version right one of our buddies had it that looks exactly the same as the copy i got um capstone games actually yeah released this yeah in I, States. Looked, I looked at it yeah but the original, like, is really plain. It's just colored cards with numbers. There's not that little character with different pokey things, which is in the the, the reprint, I guess. So I don't know if it took 27 years to make to the States. That seems kind of weird. But I don't know if it's ever gotten a release out here until now. Yeah, that's weird. Um, there is a game. There are games like that which uh, have been slightly redesigned. Uh, actually, I was looking at another game that uh, that person with that profile had played called Solo, which is kind of the same as Uno actually, and it also came out '93 or something. But it's called Solo for some reason, and it's pretty much the same game. So I think there's this weirdness of games that are kind of old, and they get a new name, and maybe they get popular and because that game become became popular in Germany, they decided to print it in English as well. Even though, like you say, I think the only difference is literally just the box and the rules are in English. That's it. I think everything else is kind of the same. Yeah, the, there's just numbers and cards and colors and picture. That's right. It. So what it, the game is a trick taking game, and you have uh, it depending on the player count, you'll have different suits of cards. Um, in a four player game, you'll have five different suits. 
from one zero actually zero to 11 would be the highest card on your turn you play a card and that's the lead card but unlike most trick-taking games you don't have to follow you can simply play out a suit however if you break suit then now what's being evaluated for who takes the tr- who takes the uh, the trick is now every color that's not the lead color but the the thing is is that you will have a pain suit so everybody in the beginning of the ra- each round is going to pick from their hand a card and lay it face down everybody's done everybody puts their card face up and that's your pain suit so when you take tricks you put them in a score pile at the end of the round every card that's not in your pain suit will be worth plus one point everything in your pain suit will be worth minus face value of each card including the card that you put down so i find this game like really good to me like it takes trick taking but you're not having the same thought process in any other trick-taking game. You're trying to not take tricks sometimes and other times take tricks. You're trying to, you're kind of doing math too. Like, huh, I'll get, you know, minus two points maybe because there's a two in my pain suit, but each card is worth one. So it's kind of worth to take. Um, I also would describe this game as almost a take that trick-taking game, but it works. I don't really like, take that games but in this it just just works but you you can make people uh experience a lot of pain so the the name is definitely describes the game perfectly you could throw down an 11 in somebody's pain suit when they're about to take a trick and give them minus 11 points in one trick i think the only difference from the original German version, and this is just by hearsay, is that the number of rounds. I think in the German edition, you declare how many rounds you play. In this edition, you play as many rounds as there are players. So each player gets to lead the round, play the first card in each round. I hadn't, I played this game in the past but I never played a full game of it. We kind of just like would bust it out at the end of the night and not really finish it, play a round or two. Um, Playing this at four players took us about an hour to play through an entire game, but it went by really quick. And the people I were playing with immediately demanded that we played it again. So we played it again. (laughs) And uh, I love it, man. Right now, it's like one of my favorite trick-taking games. And that's uh, Stick'em just came out from capstone games yeah it's a good game i played it recently as well somewhat Uh, maybe it's been like four weeks now actually someone made a mod for the english version it's called stick'em on tabletop and we played it with a few people Uh, originally we had some really weird rules for it actually it turns out it's actually a pretty simple game and like brandon says there's a lot of actually take that in that game which i'm not sure i actually like so much after playing it a few times now but it's fine um yeah the the weird thing is it's all everything's trump basically everything that doesn't match is trump like brandon was saying and it's very thematic like he's saying because once you play something that doesn't match you open up yourself to getting stuck with pain yeah yeah. it's almost unlikely that it'll be played as a regular trick-taking game like everybody follows suit 
That's like really rare unless the person leads with their pain suit thinking that somebody's going to break the suit and everybody just like sticks it to them. That's the only time <laughs> I've really seen it happen. But yeah. you really have to like count cards in this, you know, because you have your information, you know how many of your pain suits in and and you know how many cards are in. So you kind of have to like memorize what's being played. And now I'm like, okay, I think the person to my left doesn't have any more of my pain suit. So I think it's fine to lead with this high card that may, maybe I have in my pain suit because he's definitely going to break suit because he doesn't have any of yeah. my cards. And the, the way I was playing before was putting down the pain suit that I have the least of, but I found that to be not so great of a strategy. I kind of want more cards of my pain suit because I have a little bit more control because if I have the least amount, then everybody, that means everybody else has ammo toward me, you know? So no, it's, it's a good game. It's, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'd play it. Uh, all right, so I also played Super Mother Load this week. Um, Super Mother Load, I think I've probably talked about it before, but in short, it's kind of a deck building game. Uh, it's made by, apparently, I didn't even pay attention, but it's by the people who improved brass, I think, uh, made the kind of brass 2.0 Birmingham with the beer. Um, I can't remember their names, but they're the Roxley uh, people. So they designed a full game and i think actually the game was made after a pc game kind of a small indie game also called super mother load where it's a real-time 2d mining game where you just like i think just mine <laughs> i don't know actually i was i've been kind of curious to check it out but for some reason i still haven't um, but the game is actually the board game is a deck building game and yeah it's kind of a representation of the pc game in that you start from the surface of i think mars and then you just drill for money for uh, these kind of gems gold whatever and the point of that is to buy more cards and fulfill some sliding goals that kind of uh, happen during your turn tied to specific like feats that you have to do. For example, dig a four-length tunnel or whatever. So there's just like a sliding achievement kind of row that you might achieve on your turn in addition to just kind of mining for money to buy cards which are also points so the most points are pretty much achievements and uh, cards that's it uh you share a tunnel though so you kind of work off of each other and you kind of set each other up in that game so some you might have a good turn then the other person maybe gets even a better turn and so forth because you get them closer to some valuable minerals or whatever there are obviously ways to like drill and bomb and there's a whole mechanic there the interesting thing is it's a deck building game with a market but the market is actually in front of you and um it's kind of like dominion style there's a set of cards and they actually never change but the order in which you buy might change uh your game they are kind of there's like four different stacks which have kind of slightly different themes uh, so there's not a shared market uh, in any way whether it's sliding like in some games or sets like dominion or quest for eldorado 
It's kind of a dominion style market, but it's personal for each person. So it's kind of uh, someone, the, the, the person that I played with was mentioning, it's actually pretty much perfect information. The only thing that you don't know is what people drew, like the order of their cards, but you can definitely see what they've bought and what kind of strategy they're doing or whatever, or what they're going for by just looking at their stacks that they've bought. So it's pretty easy to figure out what they have, the contents of their deck. So, yeah, it's, it's a good game. Uh, we played a two-player game, which is kind of different. I think it's very, uh, it's more blocky. I think the three- or four-player game is a little bit more open because you're just kind of trying to just do a best move in the two-player game. There's a lot of thinking of, ooh, if I do this, maybe it's going to set someone else up. And there's all these, like, inflection points of when you should probably do a big move or not. Uh... It's a good game, yeah. I enjoy it every time I play it. It just reminded me of how kind of neat it is. The only thing that's kind of questionable is those sliding achievements because some of them are easier to do than others and you can just get lucky and get an easy one on your turn, which is kind of easy points or maybe you already have it. Uh, some of them are like, have three of, the, of this thing, like three bombs or whatever, and you just have it and you're like, cool, free three points. But it's it's overall, it's a lighter game, um, but it's pretty fun. So that Super Mother Load, I really like it. Yeah, I really like this game too. Deck building tile laying game. And uh, I do yeah. really appreciate the personal market that's like set and uh, it gets better as you as you buy cards from one stack. Yep. Oh, I was gonna say the only other unique thing is uh, a lot of actually I think it's the only one which I've seen where it's an action to draw cards. So that sounds kind of boring, and yeah, it is. But you get two actions on your turn, so it never draws for you. You have to draw spend an action to draw two cards. Uh, once in a while there are other mechanisms to kind of draw for you there's also thing drilling spaces where you, it makes you draw cards but i don't know if i've seen any other deck building game most of them are just kind of fill up to five or fill up to your hand size or whatever this one you actually have to draw as an action uh to do something that's right i forgot about that and it's gavin brown and matt tolman yep the designers Okay, so I played a, kind of a silly game. Uh, it's a party game, and it is called Medium. Have you guys heard of this? No. Mm, actually, not really. I don't think so. Maybe I've heard the name, but no. It was gaining no some traction, I think, last year, maybe around Gen Con. Uh, anyway, it's uh, so you have you have six cards in your hand, and these six cards are simply words, just one word. And... On your turn, the person to your left is going to play a card from their hand, and then you're going to play a card down. And then you and then the two of you are going to sit there and think about what these two cards have in common. Um, you're finding the medium between the two, right? Are you playing them face up, by the way? Yes. So yeah. you know what they are? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. The whole table sees it. So then you count three, two, one, and you're supposed to say the word at the same time. If you don't, if you say two different words, so if you say the same word, then you get a higher amount of points. If you don't, those two different words that you said, now you're playing that game with those two words and you can't say anything that was previously on the previously on the cards. And if you get that, then you get a few points less. And if you don't, then you play one more time with, again, those two different words and you get like one or two points. 
Um, you have to get it the third time because I'm not sure if that. Happens. If you don't get it the third time, you don't get any points. You just move okay. on. You're just getting like it's just giving you chances after chance after chance to yep, get yep, yeah, less get and it, less yeah. points. I was just wondering if it goes on endlessly because I could see a problem. No, there. that would be very <laughs> so with problematic pe- with people that are just super misaligned and yeah. they just never get each other. And Everybody like, just goes home and they keep like, playing. Come on, yeah, <laughs> yeah everyone goes to sleep. <laughs> um, and and those points stay in between you guys, so you share these points. When it makes it back around to you, so it's the person on the right's turn. Then you play a card for them, or um, or yeah, you play a card for them, and then they play a card, and you play. And now you have a shared pile of points. And at the end of the game, your points are those two piles put together. So whoever has the most points wins. There's a couple of problems with this game. One, and it's like really like unnecessary. One is all these cards are just random words, right? But they're grouped into different decks of cards like group like deck one through ten there's ten different small decks when you're playing a game they tell you to uh mix cards one one deck fewer than the number of players so if you're playing a four-player game you're mixing three of these decks randomly and then you deal them out uh that doesn't make any sense to me because there's not even themes to them i guess if you're trying not to see uh different ones i don't i couldn't wrap my brain around why would they do this why not just have one big deck of cards i was gonna say maybe you're memorized the whole game and it's just making you kind of second guess which word is out which word is in that's i think that's protection for memorizing the whole game of words that's the only thing i can think about yeah but i mean you're seeing them anyway you're it's not like there should be too much hidden information you don't know what's in other people's hands um that's weird yeah uh another thing you're right actually maybe it's just variation i don't know i guess yeah i mean i'll i'll follow it until i go through every single like deck and then i'm just gonna put them all together Uh, maybe i'll be like okay well i haven't seen these words yet so i'll play through the entire deck before i mix them all together another bad choice and i really i just didn't play this way is you have like colored uh, chits that are represented the the victory points. So if you get it on the first go, then you draw from this colored, and it could be either a five or a six points. If you get it the second time, it's like three or four. If you get it the third time, it's one or two. So it's like blind draw, get lucky. I got one more point than the player on my left because I accidentally drew the, the right thing yeah that's okay in some games like push your luck game celestia is that way but i don't know about if it works well in this game maybe not yeah i mean yeah so i just i just took out you know all i just had one set of each color of being the same exact just face up you know if you get this then you get five points you get this one you get three points and so forth so that was i feel like that's the designer telling you don't take this game too seriously. <laughs> Be sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I like taking party games seriously. That's what makes them fun for me. You know, not so serious uh, where I'm going to yeah. flip the table, but, uh, you know, serious enough to where I'm like trying really hard. That's, that's how I get into games and the random draw for points. I just don't, I don't like it in this. Like there's yep. the scarabs in uh, Luxor and that's fine, you know, because that's a choice that you're making that, Instead of uh, getting a card into my deck 
or whatever, I'm, I'm going to grab the scarab and hopefully get some good points. I don't mind it so much in that. But when it's a main thing, like the main way of getting points, I don't like blind draws. But it's a really simple yep. fix. I just take those out. I just make each one just one set of points. But yeah, I, I was, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say it works in Celestia because the game itself is a push your luck game. So just by you getting there, you kind of got lucky anyway, to some extent. So I think it's okay to put some luck on top of the luck just for fun. Uh, even though I've heard in that game also people take out the variability in cards, so it's not as high. Uh, the rewards are kind of similar to this game. You could get six or more points, so you could get like six, seven, eight or something. Uh, so some people don't like that, and, and they just hard-code it to six. But I think it also goes with uh, not knowing what the person's score is. So is the score public in, in the medium? Uh, no, you could fl you flip them over. Okay, so, maybe yeah. that's also why I don't know if there's a mechanic because uh, the Celestia thing is if you don't know people's score, it just makes you kind of push more because the game ends when someone reaches a certain score. I don't know how medium ends, but if the score is hidden and it's not known, which is enabled by this, I think it makes the game kind of more... But I don't know. What are you gonna do? Like guess better? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it kind of doesn't work super yeah, well. Yeah, you can't. There's nothing. Game. Yeah. Nothing you could do about it. But yeah, try to be better at the game. <laughs> it's like if you you're feel behind. bad about, about, about failing. So yeah. Uh, anyway, good question. The game ends like you have these like crystal balls. The theme is like you're trying to you're like mediums, you know, and you're trying to like um, yeah, get yeah. like links with each other. Um, but there's these crystal balls and, and there's three cards and they're like cracking even more. So you shuffle them in the last, the bottom part of the deck. And when three comes out, then you play the, you finish the round and, and you add up points. Um, I found this game to be really fun though. It's uh it's, it is a silly game and uh, you can find some frustration because, you know, so I'll give you an example. I put down a card. No, somebody put down a card that said space. So I put down hero and my thoughts automatically went to Star-Lord. Like he's in space. He's a hero. And three, two, one, Star-Lord, Superman. Skywalker. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> another one. See, your brain could go in so many different directions. So it is definitely random, you know. Um, so we had to go off a of Star-Lord and, and Superman and then we three, two, one. Uh, I, I think one, one said powers and i said comics and now we have to go comics and powers and <sighs> we can't so many. <laughs> and we can't say anything that was previously said you know but you find those times where you just get right on and i'm not going to give some of those examples because some of them were inappropriate for the show <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun it's funny and when you make that connection there's definitely some high fives some like energy like i can't believe we we both got it you know so really fun party game, not to be taken too serious. Um, and maybe some adjustments if you feel the same things I feel about the problems in the game. But uh, overall, really fun. I think it'd be like super fun with family um, and like an end of the night type of game. So that's medium came out last year. It sounds really cool, actually, and I'm really interested in those unique party games where there's a really cool idea, and it sounds like a cool idea. I just don't know how well it works as a game. Like, same thing as, like, Wavelength, and I'm just so fascinated when something like that comes out where it's just kind of a fresh idea 
which that who knows if it works well. I was actually wondering, uh, is there like a meta game? I don't know if you've played the game that long, but what I'm afraid of is if you have the same two words and you remember what the previous clue is, I think that would be a problem later on. Like, you know, you get comics and powers and you play with the same people and you remember what the clue was and you try to like meta game it that way, you know, yeah. get the same one. I mean, you could, but like you would have to be dealt the same cards to the same people yeah. and be on the left-hand side of that person I think yeah, it's I unlikely. Yeah, I guess the odds are really low yeah. because of that. So, yeah. But it could happen, I guess, someday. So yeah. Oh, I should mention there's cards. We didn't play with these, but we're going to play with them again the next next time. Um, every player has these two cards, and you could they're, they're like um, once-per-game special abilities. One is like you can, you can play it, discard as many cards as you want in your hand, and draw back up. So you can refresh your hand once per game. Yeah. The other one is you can join... Uh, a link so like when the two players play a card down you can play your card and join that one and that one only and if you get it right on you get your points personally to you so i found that interesting um that would be good for so we had an example of somebody played gosh i can't remember i think it was like uh f- let's just say it was like france and united states and they both said country you know that was like a really easy one it was kind of like this gimme so I wish I had a, had that card because I'm like, oh, they're both going to say country, clearly. So you could have played that card and joined and got your own personal points for it. So yeah, yeah, uh, pretty good. You know, uh, I think Wavelength is actually a good example. I mean, it doesn't, it, it's not the same game by any stretch of the imagination, but it does feel similar where it's a good idea and it's fun, but sometimes you're like, how are we going to possibly guess that? you know like yeah you would have i i think you would to play really really well you would have to know the people you're playing with you're sitting on the left and right with really well and even then it's just kind of you know who knows you're going to say the same word it's kind of a fun activity rather than a game yeah 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 it sounds really cool actually yeah well anyway that was some games that we've played so up next is some games that we're looking forward to kind of jumped the gun on on one of your games justine but let's let's hear about it um okay so i am looking forward to a couple of games the first one was we talked earlier imperial struggle which is uh twilight struggle same basic system except like pumped up to a hundred um it's through I can't remember what wars, but it covers like the span of four wars. It's and then uh, between the 18th huh? century between uh, France and Berlin, Britain. It's France and Britain, 18th yeah. century. Yeah, and so it goes up through like the American Revolution, um, and between the wars, you're playing political cards. I'm not 100 percent sure on everything in the game, but it looks gorgeous. It's huge um one reviewer we watched for it said the rule book's only 20 pages long which gives you a hint of like the war game rule book thing the really long generally really long rules um i'm way looking forward to it i think it's going to be a way neat game a way neat implementation of that play system 
Um, the next game I'm looking forward to is Tekenyu, which is um, a game by Tashini. Yeah, Tashini and one or two other people. Um, it's set in Egypt. It's um, subtitled In the Shadow of the Obelisk. So the game comes with this big old obelisk that sits in the middle of the game board and it's going to twist around. And it's dice drafting and you're picking dice to do actions, but you're also trying to balance out the dice because things are going to happen to you based on the balance of the dice on the left and the right of your player board at the end of your turn. It looks really neat. The um, the design, the layout looks beautiful. I'm really looking forward to that because I really enjoy dice drafters as well. And then the last one is another game I cannot pronounce to save my life. Tawantinsuyu, The Incan Empire. Um, this one is by David Turksey. It is... Think it's not coming out until October. This one is a worker placement game where you're placing workers on a board and sort of in the Ragusa vein, you get to do the action you place your worker on plus actions around the worker based on the colors of workers there. Um, I, again, I'm not 100% sure exactly how the game plays, but it looks really neat and it looks right up my alley. They already have a roll and write for the second one you mentioned. Uh, what was it? Can you? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's neat. Uh, not out yet, but it looks like yeah, they already they're doing a roll and write. Uh, oh, they're calling it tick and write, tick and write to build a great obelisk. All right. Hmm. I don't know what a tick and write means. There's no dice. You just choose what to check off every turn. That's my guess. Then you just check off the same thing every time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't ask me. <laughs> oh, yeah, like Karuba, maybe they rely on people checking off different things because people don't want to copy each other. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. No but idea. those are my three games I'm looking forward to. Uh I think it might be drafting workers. In the middle of the table is a pool of three workers represented by square tiles. Sounds better than relying on people to choose different things. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Huh. All right, so games I'm looking forward to. Um, actually, when I was looking at kind of segue into the previous section and that person's profile who played 3,800 games of Hanabi, they had played 8,300 games of a game called Koi Koi. And I was just looking at that game. I had seen it on BGG before, and it looked kind of old, and I didn't pay attention to it too much. It looks actually very interesting. I was probably going to... Um, I became interested just to check it out based on just similar tastes, maybe. But uh, it's a game played with Hanafuda cards, which are uh, Japanese cards, which were actually a replacement for kind of... Um, western playing cards the western playing cards were i think banned or something in the 1600s so ever since then they created a set of uniquely japanese cards which uh just have pictures on them so they're the seasons of the year i think and um 
they don't have anything other than just pictures. And actually, one of the publishers, um, most famous publishers of uh, the Hanafuda playing cards is Nintendo, uh, because they are a card company, at least that's how they got started. So there's a few decks that are, I guess, famous for the Nintendo decks that are famous for like maybe being better quality or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe the pictures are more official or whatever. But anyway, it's a uh, pretty much sounds it sounds sounds like a really kind of straightforward two player set collection game. I didn't look too deep into it, but basically you're trying to collect sets of these kind of cards by matching what you have in your hand or whatever. And there's some kind of a waiting and push your luck mechanic where you can wait for things to show up longer for more points so there's some kind of clever catch to make the game interesting but um it sounded it looked really interesting uh, basically I, from what i gathered you're trying to just make sets of cards um kind of really old game actually uh, i think it's uh, they were saying it's the most popular hanafuda game in Japan uh, currently or maybe ever uh, maybe actually really old I didn't even look at how old it is but I just became curious and kind of uh, learning that game because it looked kind of neat and just like I say because maybe similar interests I'm going to be interested in it so that's Koi Koi uh, the other game that I'm looking forward to actually playing is Rallyman GT uh, like I said I hadn't logged into BJ for a while and I logged in and they had made some new games appear um, over the last few months that I hadn't logged in. One of them is Rallyman, and it even has a solo variant because I read the rules actually a long time ago and we were going to play it, where I was going to try to get people to play it, but someone said they don't like racing games, so um, I was just like, oh, well, that's sad. <laughs> so um, maybe I'll play the solo game if no one is interested, but uh, very simple. I think I've talked about it before, probably a racing game where you push your luck just to an extent. I think you d uh, decide on how fast you want to want to go or something, or there's, there's some dice rolling in it. So it's not a super high strategy game, but... I think you kind of, um, there's a clever mechanic of how you drive around the track, but it's all based on kind of dice rolling and getting these like streaks of dice or whatever to make the corners. So kind of interested, Rallyman GT. So those are the two games I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I've been curious about Rallyman GT. I, I would like to find a, a racing game that works well for my taste. Maybe um, that's it. Actually, just a comment on that. I'm really looking forward to. I've been waiting for a reprint of. Uh, there's a game called Race Formula 90, which sounds like kind of the ultimate racing game. For me, it's card driven, and it sounds like it's actually way more complicated than what it looked like, which is actually a good thing for me because I found a lot of the racing games like uh, this one sounds kind of. Uh, straightforward but like Flam Rouge Rally Man whatever that one is called gosh there's another one which we've played Formula D they're all just huh Formula Sorry, D yeah. what is it Formula D yeah Formula D yeah uh, they're just kind of uh, more simple than I would like them to be and it sounds like uh, Race Formula 90 is like the what I'm looking for Actually, I hadn't. I haven't played. I haven't tried uh, Thunder Alley. Is another one which oh, sounds yeah. really promising as well. But 
those are uh but race formula 90 i've been waiting for a reprint for like a couple of years because i was gonna buy the old version and then i saw the studio was thinking about the reprint but they wanted to publish some other game first last spiel so i think it should be coming soon hopefully but yeah anyway sorry you were gonna say nice. something all right, All right. Uh, some games I'm looking forward to. They're, they're kind of groups of games. I have like two groups of games. So one is more of just kind of an interest. Um, Queen Games is putting out a collection of games called uh, City Collection, which it just looks like they're in the names of cities, which I wonder, hasn't Queen Games been already doing this? I don't know. It seems like they put out a lot of games with city names, but they decided to put them into a collection. The first two they announced are designed by Stefan Feld. That's what got me most interested. Uh, One is Hamburg and one is Amsterdam. And Amsterdam, it looks to be just um, like a re-theming of uh, cacao. No, 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 no. Macau with with a new setting. Anyway, I don't know if Stefan Feld is going to design all of them. I highly doubt it. They'll probably bring other like popular designers in to join this collection. But I found it kind of interesting, you know, just a collection of queen games with uh, cities around the world. Have they been published already or are they new games? They're new games. Uh, Amsterdam says 2021 and Hamburg also says 2021. So they have not been published yet. They're coming next year. Cool. Yeah, uh, it sounds really cool. Uh, the only thing I hate about Queen is they have Queenies, which are exclusives, and they usually try to push Kickstarters with their games at really high prices. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. just kind of a pet peeve of mine. So I'm guessing they're going to be uh, on Kickstarter first with Queenies, and then you can buy the retail version, but versions, but they don't have Queenies. And some of the Queenies actually kind of uh, sound like they would contribute to being in the game, so it's it, they would be kind of missed, unfortunately. But sounds really cool, actually. Actually, I, I generally like Queen games. Actually, one even they're like worse games. Supposedly, I think I like in general. Same. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Queen games also has a an escape. You know, escape the game escape you like that yes, game, right yes mm-hmm. uh i haven't played it yet actually oddly but i read the rules and we were about to play it oh. and someone in our group used to have it and they were telling me like they used to play it a lot and that was in the before time well <laughs> so surprise surprise they are doing a escape roll and write yeah the surprise surprise was uh sarcastic um, anyway, the next group of games that I'm looking forward to, I actually now own. So Deepwater Games has a summer sale going on. Of course, it's a sale. So if you listen to this and go on the website and say, hey, what, Brandon, you lied to me. Um, it's time sensitive. And maybe if you're listening to this a year from now, don't even bother. But uh, Deepwater Games, they publish in America um, Empress 5 games which is a Japanese company, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah. You have a Empress, at least one Empress 5 game. Uh, or Chinese, actually, possibly. I don't know. Roundhouse. Anyway, yeah. You have Roundhouse, yep. right? Yes. Yeah, that's one of the games that are on sale for 10 bucks with two expansions included in it. Crazy. I didn't get that, though. I got this bundle that came with five games for 30 bucks. I only knew of one of these, but it was one of those things where it's like five games for 30 bucks. I can't pass it up. So I, I got it. Um, it's three small box games and two medium sized box games. And uh, they have this, uh, the 
kind of like strategy versus luck dial on the back of them. You know, it shows how much strategy versus luck and a couple of them, the luck's like way up. So I'm not really looking forward to those so much, but I'll still give them a try. The games are Crows Overkill, Shadows in Kyoto, which is the one I've actually heard of. It's the like thematic yeah, yeah, yeah. sequel to Hanamakoji. Uh, Mystery of the Temples, Trial of the Temples, and Sorcerer in Stone. So yeah, I got all those for 30 bucks and I'm looking forward to playing them. I do like Emperor S5 games because they just kind of feel different than most games that I that I've played. They're kind of they feel a little bit unique. So, looking forward to giving those a try. Yeah, basically, thanks for telling telling me this. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna do exactly the same because those are games which I've already looked into: Mystery of the Temple, Sorcerer Stones, and Realm of Sand in particular. Uh, and I've wanted to play them. I actually haven't heard good things about Crow's Overkill. And I was actually going to just like almost ready to buy them on last SaltCon because someone was selling them. So this is like pretty much exactly made for me. I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up with the same set of games because I really, uh, they're not, I don't think they're going to be amazing games, but they sound really cool, kind of really small kind of abstract games, which is kind of right up my alley. I kind of like those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm probably going to end up buying them like today as well. That's amazing. The, so, uh, yeah, yeah. The bundle I got doesn't come with the realms of sand. Uh, that one does look interesting, but I think that's just 10 bucks right now. Yeah, yeah, I might buy them individually. I'm looking at them right now, actually, which is funny. So, Crow's yeah. Overkill, I did skim the, the rules, and it does not seem very good. You're just, like, trying to get crows away from you by playing cards, and but you're playing cards that you're drawing, so, you know, a lot of luck. I, I don't remember anything. I know Shadows in Kyoto actually is supposed to be pretty good. The other ones are kind of average. Crows Overkill, I, I just remember like not feeling good about it. I don't remember too much about the game. They actually rethemed Hanami Koji with, I think, Jishia yeah. Academy or whatever uh -huh. it's called. It's like the exact same game, yeah. just with different pictures. Which I actually like the pictures in Hanami Koji, so I don't know. It's kind of unnecessary to me, but whatever. Yeah, Trial of the Temples I'm looking forward to. That's one of the medium-sized games, and it looks, it looks pretty cool. Yep. Well, they're and, just kind of fresh and weird, and yeah, exactly. Like you can you can tell that they're from a different country, which hasn't been polluted with kind of the same <laughs> themes over and over and style of gameplay. Yeah, I mean, unless you come from there, then maybe you're thinking, you know, other opposite, games. Are, yeah, yeah, exactly. But but for us, I, I think they're they feel very fresh. So yeah, I'm looking yep. forward to that. Which is our games looking forward to? So up next is poorly described games. All right. You as the audience can now participate. Hopefully we'll give you enough time because we only played this with two people last time. So hopefully you guys can play at home. Also, you know what? You can you can email us some of your own and we'll read them here and 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 play with yours. Um go to our website www.cardsandcubes.com and you can get a hold of us that way. Anyway, who wants to go first? I'll, uh, I'll go first. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll be keeping score, okay? We'll make an actual game out of this. Okay. Uh, mine might be too easy, but let's see how you guys do. Okay. Here's the first one. This game is very colorful. Pulling luck from a bag 
That's not a llama. That's not a llama? Are you kidding me? What'd you say, Justine? I think I got it. Just say it. Altiplano. That is correct. Justine gets one point. Oh my gosh, I forgot to pull out of a bag in that game. I was thinking about that, but yeah. I was actually thinking about Llama the game. My brain just kept going back there because that's kind of a lucky game as well, but I guess it's not the same. Yeah. And it's it, and you're definitely not pulling out of a bag, so yeah. But it's not a llama. It's an alpaca in, in Altiplano. Mm. So there is a difference. I think it has to do with their snout. All right, Justine's in the lead with one. Who, who, so let's have Justine go. Okay. Uh, first one. Broken glass everywhere. Uh, Zul stained glass of Sintra. Oh, that was quick. I that was fast, yeah. I was like <laughs> thinking about that rap song. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that that's what got me. <laughs> All right. I didn't even know there's a rap song. I just know in the Zool, like you break glass all the time, which I think is kind of funny because, like, I don't know. I think that it, it, it works okay because it feels like you're breaking glasses, you're dropping it in the tower, which I think is what they're going for. But, like, thematically, I don't know how much sense it makes. I always thought it's kind of funny that you're actually breaking the glass. It's a Grandmaster Flash song. It's a famous, mm. like, one of the first rap songs. Yeah, sorry. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not a connoisseur, <laughs> I guess. All right, go for it, Christo. All right, it's just a bunch of repetitive office work, but at least at the end of the day, you might enjoy a meal at the nearby inn in the countryside, which might just give you the energy to do some more office work. I've made mine kind of ridley, so if you guys don't have any ideas, um, it will give you some hints. Let's see. I mean, I'm trying to think of office-themed games, and none are coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> they're also kind of obscure so alright so I'll give you a hint have a guess Justine, nothing oh wait yeah wait. okay I was oh. gonna say Justine might have a better guess than you probably because of Is reasons bus mm, no darn it there is a game where you actually eat a meal. It, you probably don't think about it oh, but that's what nope, it thematically I represents it. I got it Hans and Teutonica. Yes, that's it. Oh, okay. So you're establishing yeah. offices, yep. and the eating actually is those bonuses that you get. They represent like plates of food because you flip them over, and there's food on the back, and like it's weird. Like I don't know how much sense it makes, but you have a meal, and it might give you extractions. So that's it. All right, Justine's in the lead by two. Risto has one. GG. I have zero. Okay. <laughs> Here's the next one. Rewritten, rewritten myths, giant statues, multiple ways to win. Uh, Lords of Hellas. That is correct. Lords of Hellas. You guys have just tied. When you said giant statues, there's not many miniature games that you have. Maybe I should have took that, that part yeah. out. Super sticks out. Yeah. Maybe I should have put electricity instead. Oh, that would have made me think more, probably. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Power grid. There's <laughs> <laughs> statues in power grid. No, instead of statues, if it yeah. was electricity. Yeah. Multiple ways to win, though. I don't know about that. There's like one exact way to win, I think, in that game. Just most points. Everything better. Yeah. 
Okay, are we Probably. ready? Yeah, go for it. Sure. Okay, the next one is ring around the rosy, pockets full of pops. <laughs> pockets full of pops? Hops. Pops? P-O-P? H-O-P-S. Oh, hops. Oh, heaven and ale? God. Yeah. I was thinking about it just as you said it. I'm on the scoreboard. <laughs> Uh, is it you, Brandon? No, I it's you. Track. Gosh. Oh, all right. It's a bit icky if you think about it, but it's also a great example of equal representation and teamwork. Don't get jumped unexpectedly, or you might end up stuck holding loose ends together all by yourself. Hmm. It's a bit icky when you think about it. But it's also a great example of equal representation and teamwork. It's not viral, is it? No, no viral. Holding Actually, loose ends. Holding loose ends together, not pulling. Holding, holding, yeah. holding loose ends together. I'm, I'm proud of how weird this one is. Letter jam? <laughs> nope. No. All right, uh, hint number one, if you guys are stack, stuck still. Yeah, stuck. Uh, army? I guess army. What about tiles? <laughs> and this one is probably the giveaway insects. Oh, my gosh, still not. Oh. Mirrors? That's, nope. that's what I was going to guess, too. Oh my gosh, it's Hive actually. So in oh. Hive, you get getting jumped as the grasshopper yeah. jumping and holding loose ends together is like one of the main mechanics in the game. You get pieces stuck holding the Hive together and that's a way to disable people from just doing anything really with pieces because they end up like you can't move things that break the Hive in two. So yeah. And yours are rough. Yours are tough. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It, no, it's good to give the clues, too. I like that. So we're not yep. just uh, completely stumped. Give us a chance. I knew, I, I knew this one was going to be kind of tough, so I made like hints for it. So, yep. All right. Here's my last one. Um, trying to get more cubes than everyone else. Is this how you build corporations in the future? Uh, corporations in the future. I could give a hint for this one too, if you guys. It uh, couldn't be that. Gosh, I, I need to think of the name. Otis. No. Ah. That Megacorp. No. Corporations. Gosh, you don't have too many corporate games. I'm pulling a blank on this one. In That's the so future. weird. All right, I'll give you guys a hint. Yeah, futuristic corporation. I should be just like right on top of this one because those are the games I like. So that's super surprising. All right, here's a hint. Stop handing me crap, Christo. I still don't get it. I'm thinking of New Angeles, but that's definitely not cubes in any way. Oh. Abyss that what? has nothing to do with no. corporations or future. Justine, you have a guess? What game is it? It's that card drafting game that we've that came out. Oh, what is that called? It's on the tip of my tongue. Help. 
<laughs> I, don't, You're I still don't get on it. On the right track. Least. You're definitely on the right track. What it, I know it. I can. It's also a. It. It's also it a song. Head. A popular Could, song. If you describe it, I can probably life? get it. Oh, it's a wonderful world. World. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I don't know. Who, point point five for me. Five for, for Justine. Point five for both you guys. <laughs> Gosh, I don't think of that game as building corporations at all. I think of it as like collecting sets of men and women, which is pretty funny, actually. No, that's what <laughs> like that, that's what that's what the reward is for getting uh, more yeah. cubes. But you're you're building corporations in the future, huh? Yeah, I thought it's like warfare or something is what it represents. I actually never like really dug into the theme on that one at all. But okay. yeah, that's a good one. Good one. I like it. Yeah, that was good. Um, okay. Ready for adventure? Bring along the whole crew. A priest, a carpenter, and don't forget the monkey. Uh, Libertalia. Yes. Uh, I never played that game. Yeah, Brandon had a distinct disadvantage on this one because I played it quite a few times since when you said monkey, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I tried to, yeah. <laughs> You need to play more games, Brandon. That's yeah. the uh, <laughs> that's the summary of this. The takeaway there. And it's only anyway, been one game of, that I didn't play. I have another kind of slightly weird one, but hopefully you guys are going to be okay. If Justine it gets seems... this, she'll tie it. By the way, with you. Yeah. Huh? If you get this one, you'll tie with Risto. Otherwise, Risto is going to win if I get it. So I'm, I'm like king making right now. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It seems like it would never end, just keeps going and going, but it's probably funniest when it does end with a surprise, just as you're trying to be the most calm. Hmm. Um, do you think we've played this game? Yes. Okay. I'm pretty sure you've both played this game. Uh, if you have a blank situation, I can give you a clue. Do you have so anything, nothing. Justine? Do you want yeah, a clue? Yeah, I need a hint. Okay, let's get a clue. Uh, round. Okay, can you Is say the whole mandala? thing again? Wait, what? It seems like... No, it's not Mandala. Okay. Mandala is that round, though. It seems like it would never end, just keeps going and going, but it's probably funniest when it does end with a surprise, just as you're trying to be the most calm I guess you should say maybe just so you're trying to be the most calm and careful or something. And I guess second hint, second level, balance. <laughs> maybe I should make my hints a little bit easier. Uh, what about wheel? Oh. Oh, I don't think I've... No, I played this game. I can't. I can't think of the name of it, though. Hamster wheel? Yeah, it's hamster roller. Oh, hamster guess, roller, but it's yeah. Hamster yeah. wheel. So it seems like it would never end, just keeps going and yeah. going. So the wheel keeps rolling, but it's funniest when it ends with surprise, just because you're trying to be like the most careful putting stuff on it. Sorry, I guess I'm coming up with really difficult ones. So I tried to make them actually difficult so they're not obvious. Like I tried to avoid words that specifically point out the game. So maybe, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a work in progress. The, those are yeah. great hints, though. It's, um, yeah. All right. So, and last place is me with two points. Second place is Justine with 2.5 points. 
And Risto has won with 3.5 points. You <laughs> gave us the 0. 0.5 for uh, It's a yeah. Wonderful World. Yeah, you guys cooperatively got that one together. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's probably more Justine than me because I kind of had no clue until she said It's a Wonderful and I just knew the last word. I wonder if anybody at home got a perfect score of nine. All right, well... That was some poorly described games, mostly by Hristo. Yep. Up next is our top three games we shouldn't like, but we do. All right. Um, cool. So the way that I constructed my list now, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. These are all going to be games that I shouldn't like, but I do. But the way I put them in order isn't necessarily the ones that I like the most. I put them in order from like my number one is a game I really shouldn't like, but I do. And my number three is a game that eh, I probably shouldn't like, but I do. Basically, that's how I put mine in order. Yeah, very similar to you, actually. Uh, The first one is probably the largest kind of surprise and maybe the game I do like the most out of the three, but they kind of represent themes for me. And I'll talk about that maybe at the end when we do honorable mention mentions uh, it's not so much about the specific games for me as with kind of some kind of trends i actually kind of had a difficult time with this top three as well just because there's not many games that are a surprise to me uh, especially a positive surprise but apparently there's a few so yep i put mine in order of what i like the least the most okay got a little bit of variety here all right let's get into it Number three. All right. My number three is Tobago. Now, why shouldn't I like this game? Because of randomness and some weird mechanics that are kind of hard to remember. But overall, you're basically playing cards to find where a treasure spot is. And you're kind of doing it together. And if you don't get in on that treasure finding thing, uh, it could be bad. Because then, you're, when once the treasure is found, everybody that's involved in finding the treasure, putting cards down, um, has some flip cards happening, and you get some treasures, or you can get some uh, like a is that a curse or poison? I can't remember. But it's curse, a lot yeah. of randomness and some luck. But the whole thing together makes it like kind of really fun for me. I actually found myself really liking this game and playing it multiple times. But it is a weird one, and it is really random. And you can do bad kind of at not much fault of your own. So that's why I shouldn't like it, but I do. And that's my number three, Tobago. I really like Tobago. Uh, If you think about it, the theme makes no sense whatsoever because you're not really finding the treasure. You're kind of creating where, You're creating where, where it is location yeah. it's yeah. so it's like i feel like the theme is just a complete misfire but the game is just so fun to play that like you just forgive all the faults that the movement system feels like it's from 95 and like it's just so weird but it works as a package yeah um my number three is one it's kind of i like it and i would play it again but i don't know that i would necessarily buy it and it is four gods um, it is a the reasons I shouldn't like it are it's pure chaos, it's very luck heavy, it's simultaneous actions, uh, tile laying, um, 
but there's kind of just something about it that when you play it, it just kind of devolves into pure fun. Um, it's tile laying. You're kind of like building out this land um, throughout the game. You're going to take possession of like a god that's a color. Um, I've only played it once, but I just remember it was really fun to play. But again, it was total chaos. I don't think you can tell like who's winning, who's losing. It's just sort of a free-for-all for however long until the game ends. And then you kind of count up your scores. And who knows where you're going to land. Uh, I've never heard of this game. Is this Japanese? No, it's actually by Christoph whatever, Bollinger, I think, who made Archipelago and most recently that weird game with the natural uh, living planet. Uh, it's kind of a weird game that he just made. It's a real-time tile-laying game. I don't know if you mentioned that it's real-time. That's the unique thing about it. So it's like oh, yeah, as, yeah. As, as fast as you can go, basically. <laughs> Which actually, because of the design of the game, it does not mean the fastest. You can actually kind of do well by looking around a lot and just kind of... It's kind of weird. Um, I really like it actually as well. Um, I was actually the one that kind of pushed it because I like the designer and I heard really bad things about the game. So I was just curious how bad can it be because it actually didn't sound that bad to me. And I think maybe people just really dislike the real-time aspect of it. But for me, that's the unique and cool thing about it. Yeah, I was looking at the four gods, four spelled out, but it's just the number four yeah. in gods yeah uh, yep yeah different game i see no i i think it's really cool actually um yeah there's multiple modes where you can play and it has weird things like you can hold tiles with your one tile with your left one tile with your right and if you don't have a hand you can't put a tile down so like silly stuff like that so you have to like free up your hand by putting the tile down somewhere so yeah it's it's funny so if you have three um, yeah, hands then you're at an advantage Huh? Yeah, if you have more hands, definitely. So, like, a spider would probably be a super master <laughs> at that game. <laughs> no, actually, you're building out a board, and the kind of the summary of it is area majority kind of calculations. Obviously, there's a cat, so it's not very simple. Um, but it's all about kind of having a good balance of very thematic, like the god you serve has most the most land or something or the most number of different lands or the largest piece of land that they rule over or whatever and you serve different gods depending on the elements that i think are represented on the board pretty cool game actually i, I really like it kind of a party game which is weird because maybe that's also people who were not expecting a party game but very unique anyway i don't know do you have anything about it suggesting else sorry i kind of nope, took over it. Okay. Um, my number three is um, actually holding on the troubled life of Billy Kerr. Uh, when I saw that game, I was just like, oh my gosh, this looks kind of dumb and depressing and sad, and I definitely don't expect to like it. I still don't think it's a great game, but um, it's kind of been interesting to get into it and kind of experience the aspect of almost like a soap opera or like just the story development part of the game. The mechanical part of the game is kind of very repetitive and samey and definitely kind of is starting to get uh, very repetitive now that we've played it, I think, like five or six times. So it's been a while actually since we started the physical distancing. It's It's been uh, a long time since we played it, but... 
Uh, definitely a game I did not expect to like. I usually don't like lighter co-op games. That's the theme that's kind of a game where it's an exception. And in general, I used to actually really don't like any co-op games until I found a few which I like. And that's just one of them. I like it mostly because of the story aspect of it, which is kind of strange, but it works for me. So holding on the troubled life of Billy Kerr. I've uh, that was the first time I've ever heard anybody say physical distancing rather than social, but that's like a much better description because we're socializing right now. Yeah, no, actually, someone had a pet peeve about it, but the media keeps pushing social distancing because really it should be physical distancing, rather right? Than right, social, yeah, because you can still hang out online and like do whatever, but exactly. physical distancing. Anyway. Number two. All right. So like Christo with Billy Kerr, I also don't think this is a really great game, but I do like it. And it's Council of Four. So it's by Simone Luciani and Daniela Tuscanini. Tuscanini? Tuscanini, yeah. Uh, That's why I should like it. I mean, that's why I bought it. And it's because of the designers. But when you play it, it doesn't really feel like their kind of game. I would say that this is almost a next step from Ticket to Ride, very similar where you have colored cards and you're playing colored cards in order to be able to do things and building routes. But you're not playing the same colored cards, you're playing different cards. The cards that you're playing depend on the council at each spot. You have different quadrants. And whatever those are, that's the cards you have to play to to build a route in that area. But you can mess with it. You could push people out. So you could push another color in, pushing another color out. Uh, why shouldn't I like this game? Uh, again, randomness, uh, luck, luck of the draw. So I, 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 I've played this game with several people. Most people are either on the fence about it or okay with it, but some people hate the game. Uh, one of our friends, actually, in our gaming group, I heard him say, I like all games and will give anything a chance. The only two games that I will never play again is Munchkin and Council of Four. So he lumped in Council of Four with Munchkin. That's how, how much he hated it. <laughs> another another friend of ours that is actually a really good gamer, just by the luck of the draw, was dead last. But he said that he would give it another chance. He found the fun in it. I would say that there, for me, is enough mitigation in the game to be able to manipulate the luck a little bit. Because if you don't have the cards, you could always pay money to pretend like a card's there. Although you have to have money and you have to have cards in order to get money. But I think it's really important where you first start setting up your route. Because once you go and connect a route, then you get everything connected to it. So if you have a good chain of money or card income, then you might be a little better off. But if you start in kind of poor areas, then you could be kind of screwed for the whole game. Um, but I do enjoy it. It is, it is fun for me. And I'm, and every time I play it and I play it with somebody that's like, I don't, I don't like this game. I understand. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to convince them that, that, that they're wrong, but for some reason that just works for me, but I can't take it too serious. I have to have just fun with it. And there's something really like satisfying about connecting that route and and having it cascade down and give me a whole bunch of stuff. And now I'm not so worried about my next 
setup. And that's why it's my number two council of four. I'd say the game feels really good if you're winning because it's kind of an exploding game. So mm-hmm. if you do well, you're likely to continue doing even better. So almost like like explosive, rich get richer kind of a situation. And I don't think other people can do too much to stop you really. So it feels mm-hmm. really good uh, to, to be winning. Yeah. I mean, you could block their game. routes, make it a little bit harder yeah. for them to, to get that route that they're looking for. But usually but, you want your own thing to work out. Yeah, and that's you're true. Pushing for your own thing to work out, and yeah, there's mitigation for things which help a little bit. So it's not like a completely luck game or whatever. However, it's always best to just have the right cards, and that's yeah, definitely, the, the, definitely the big thing. Yeah, Justine, you, you've played this. Did you like it? I know you've just played it once, but um, yeah, I've just played it once. I actually really liked it. Um, I think it's a touch overproduced. I don't know if later editions don't have like the big statues and stuff. No, only the later um, editions do. Simon, Simon oh. put it out in the states. Um, yep. Yeah, they had just like these. Uh, I think it was just cardboard. No, no, it was big meeples. Was, it was big uh, meeples and a cardboard stand for them in the original printing, and you actually, actually push them off I the stand. Correctly. Yeah, if I remember correctly, they're just cubes. The councils are just cubes, and they have these little conveyor belts that you push them on that are kind of raised off the boards, if I remember. So the, I don't think there's even statues. I think the people are maybe where you place people in the cities. But the councils, if I remember, are just cubes in the previous European edition. Sorry. I'm looking at I it right now. It they're, they're, they're meeples. They're uh, maybe the council's right. meeples. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. I have to be right, unless my eyes are deceiving me. But huh. the, but the, um, yeah, but there's like a little cardboard cutout that they sit on and get pushed off of the the council. I like the original uh, version, the look of it. It looks a lot more Euro and Simon like Simonified it, you know. But yeah, Justine's right. It's like way overproduced for what type of game it is. Yeah, they have these ridiculous miniatures by Simon because that's what they do. Makes the setup longer, actually, as well, which mm-hmm. kind of annoying. Yeah, you're right, Brandon. We're half right. I was right about the track things. <laughs> you're right about the meeples yeah. and the cube. <laughs> it's the opposite. The cubes are the cities. The meeples are in the councils. Oh yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so my number two is actually a game I really enjoy. Um, especially times where I'm maybe not feeling up to a full game. I don't necessarily want to pull out and set up a whole game and it's um the doppelschon clever i'd lump gonchon clever in there with it as well honestly um i shouldn't like this game because all it is is rolling dice it's a roll and write you roll dice you get to pick which ones you keep and then your opponents get to pick from the rest um and when it was first described to me when brandon first taught me how to play this game I was very skeptical. Like, really? We're going to play a game that is all rolling dice? Oh, no. It's a ton of fun. Um, and there's nothing more satisfying than being able to set up a situation where you get to unlock this perk, which lets you put a dice here that unlocks this perk, which lets you unlock this perk. And it kind of cascades. It's really fun. Um I would say Doppelschon Clever is slightly more clever. <laughs> it's uh, not twice, slightly not more. Slightly more. <laughs> but I think they're both great games. I think they're both a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. I it's not on the list because I expected to not like it so much and I don't like it so much. So that's my take on that game. It's really fun until the last rounds when either things pay off massively, the combos that you've been building up for or the dice screw you. That's kind of my impression of the game. It comes down to kind of the last like one round or two rounds where the consequences are pretty high of you getting the right number or not. Very clever design, though. The design is maybe one of the better roll and write designs out there in the world. Yeah, I like I like the game. Yeah. I think it's it, I think it's fun. It's a uh, a good filler. Some good decisions, but I mean, Risto's right. Like it all comes down to the last roll, and if you don't do good, you just kind of yep. Because usually, like fifty points are riding on that one die that you better yeah hope that three people one of the three people rolls and they leave and whatever yeah but the whole game lasts like 20 minutes maybe yeah you're right if your last roll ends up failing it's not that bad it just at that point like before it doesn't remind me of other rolling rights at that point it just reminds me of all the other rolling rights where it's kind of dice heavy but it's okay it's it's a good game um anyway my number two is uh actually kind of a theme but i guess if i had to pick a game that's the most kind of ridiculous omg this is just crazy that i like this is conja uh it's this kind of a weird game which no one has really played other than me uh and i played it with one other person who actually hated it because of why i expected to hate it which it's a really high take that game with a lot of dice rolling. So the combo of both is just kind of hilarious because you're rolling these dice and you're trying to match up symbols. Basically, you're just matching up symbols. The theme of the game is, uh, it's kind of funny because Conja and you're conjuring uh, rain clouds, I think. You're these shamans and you're trying to, I think, make it rain basically for your tribe to enjoy a good harvest or whatever. The theme is just like who cares basically, but you're trying to do these like uh, magics or whatever and rituals or whatever. And that's what the dice represent is trying to conjure up the right things to do the magical rituals. Uh, I actually don't even remember too many details about it, but basically you're trying to make sets of dice, kind of Yahtzee style. You're trying to roll things uh, correctly. And there's pretty high take that. You can mess with other people's dice directly. You can just kind of make them re-roll stuff. There's these attacky dice where you roll on your turn. Or no, you roll when they roll, I think, at the same time. And you can eliminate dice if they roll lower than you. So it's all luck as well. And it's just like complete BS. Uh, It sounds pretty horrible. And yeah, it is. But for some reason, I really liked it. And actually, the scores were surprisingly close at the end. I thought it was because of those take that things and whatever. Uh, the scores are going to be kind of one person is going to pull away. But no, I think uh, because it, you just end up doing so much dirt on each other, it kind of evens out at the end and it kind of uh, works out in a weird way. I really like the art. Um, actually, the company has published Ancient Terrible Things, which sounded really interesting. And I really like the art on that one. Conja is only two player. Ancient Terrible Things, I think, is more uh, kind of very similar style of game of trying to just make sets of dice. Really cool art as well. Um, I don't think it sounds Cthulhu-ish, Ancient Terrible Things, but I don't think it was necessarily Cthulhu. I think it was uh, just kind of swampy and kind of really cool 
horror kind of art, which is kind of Kanja as well, but Kanja is a little bit less on the horror and more on kind of the, the weird hand-drawn. The art is just really cool. That's that's all. But yeah, um, there's kind of a whole genre, and I'll talk about it later, but of, of games that work really well, uh, I think, with Take That, really high Take That, uh, maybe because they're two-player games. Uh, I've probably talked about this before as well. But kind of a surprising game that I should definitely not like, and I liked it more than I thought, Conja. That's my number two. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking at it right now, and uh, I do like the art. They're kind of like a sketch. It's almost like a sketch. and uh, yeah, like It's almost of... like spray-painted with black light is how I would describe it. It's weird. And the dice look really cool. They're, the pips are like little skeletons. And they're, yeah. and they're plastic and not wood. It's a pet peeve of yeah. wooden dice. But yeah, the, yeah, the whole setup looks looks nice. Uh, I don't know about the gameplay, but it looks really cool. I think they only do wooden dice in Euros. Um, I think games like with a lot of dice rolling stuff, they try to do plastic in general. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Number one. All right, my number one is a surprise to me when I first got this because I would never think that I would have got, gotten into a true miniatures tabletop game. So that's Marvel Crisis Protocol. Now, I would have to say that the theme helped a lot with getting me into it. You know, I was already playing Marvel uh, Champions, the card game. I was reading Marvel comic books, watching the cinematic universe. So I was already like neck deep in this theme. So that really helped. In fact, I wouldn't have gotten it if it wasn't the theme, to be honest. And I was really on the fence about even getting it because it's kind of a hefty price, like it's 80 bucks. And, and I'm thinking 80 bucks, am I going to have time to put it together and paint it? Am I going to find anybody to play it more than once? You know, because I'm sure Justine or Christo would at least try it once. But I'm like, is that is that worth the price tag playing it once with a couple of people? This is the type of game like these miniature games are games that you really have to get into and play a lot to really make it worthwhile. And since the lockdown happened, I had time to paint it, to put them together, and to get a whole mess of the extra characters. And it's been fun as a hobby, you know, to paint them and get into that, but also to play. The gameplay is like really simplified as far as a tabletop miniatures game goes and that's another reason why i was interested in purchasing it i didn't want to get like you know buried in in rule books and and have to try to figure out these complicated rules to play this type of game it's really like family friendly i've played it with my family they've come over and they really enjoyed it and it really feels uh, very thematic and i hope it would because you're just like superheroes fighting each other almost like civil war if you do it that way because you can have villains or superheroes it doesn't matter you can mix whatever heroes or villains you want together as your team and there's tactic cards you can play to boost up certain things but it's 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 really fun i shouldn't like it because it's a tabletop miniature game and that's really not my my thing and i would highly doubt getting into any other type of tabletop miniature game but I'm glad I got into this one because I'm having a lot of fun with it. And that's Marvel Crisis Protocol, my number one. Number one is Lords of Hellas. We talked about this briefly. Um, 
I think the theme for me for this episode is I'm secretly a war gamer, maybe. Um, <laughs> I should hate this game. I don't like games that have a lot of confrontation. I don't like games where you have to directly attack other players. I don't like games that are along that war gamey vibe. I like my solitaire. I like my farming. I want people to leave me alone and I'll leave them alone. This game is awesome. It's so much fun. I don't know what it is, if it's the um, the design, the um, story. I don't know. I just really like this game. There's tons of ways to win. I think a big thing is you don't necessarily have to like directly attack your opponents. I mean, you do, but you don't. It doesn't feel awful if the, you attack them and they are horribly beat back, and it doesn't feel awful if you lose. I just think it's a really fun game. Yeah, I think the multiple ways to win is uh, a, a, a winner for me because I typically don't like dudes on a map style of game. That's not what I typically yeah. go towards. The theme is cool. It's like, uh, I think it's called Cyberpunk, right? I think it's yeah, Cyberpunk. Yeah, it's like it's like if uh, the ancient Greek myths had uh, like electricity and these like jetpacks and stuff, and that that is really cool. I thought, but yeah, uh, you could build statues to win. You could get area majority. Uh, what's some other ones? I think there's four ways to win. Oh, you kill the temples. monsters, temples, and monsters. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you don't have to have confrontation with. It anybody necessarily unless they're attacking you you can just go after monsters the entire game and win uh-huh yeah um my biggest pet peeve with those games is like attrition type games and i feel like uh, 878 is very attrition based it's fine it's okay once in a while but uh basically it's like smashing people together to create some kind of an empty space or whatever where you attack i, I don't like those so much i like the ones where you they can do something more kind of creative maybe in a way uh just yeah. in general those kind of games but yeah it's a good game uh so my number one is um actually steampunk rally uh it's not that i didn't expect i don't know i had i kind of uh, had mixed feelings going into the game but i really liked it coming out uh the mixed feelings about it which i still have them is uh there's a pretty big the, the things that i shouldn't like are there's a pretty big like knock on the leader kind of effect in that game there's a lot of um it's a racing game by the way i guess you should describe the game it's uh kind of like wacky races the game that's actually what it reminds me of uh, it pretty much is what it is uh, like in wacky races there's these like machines that are just super weird and they don't make sense all the time they might not even have wheels they might be flying so like how are you racing along a track if you're flying who knows but anyway just don't question it um, and you're trying to make these contraptions of parts which are cards and race them along a track um, so 
the game has a lot of uh, kind of nasty things that can happen to the leader, which kind of is okay because uh, it's an engine building game and someone can start exploding. So maybe that's but that's why I think it's okay. The other thing is there's kind of a lot of dice rolling, but I think there's enough, just enough uh, maybe mitigation or ways to use dice where the numbers don't matter as much, where it doesn't matter as much. But I feel like those were the two kind of red flags that I did not expect to like the game because of. And when I played it, the game just works really well. Uh, I really like the engine building aspect of it. The dice rolling doesn't really bother me. It's just fun. Um, I also didn't expect the high player count to be good in that game. It actually works really well because a lot of the game is simultaneous. You should make sure that people understand the rules, though, because that's definitely a problem if someone doesn't understand what they're doing and they're like cheating and no one can check it because no one's looking. But uh, in theory, you can play like a, what is it, six player game in like 40 minutes. And it's kind of a really satisfying engine building game as long as everyone knows what, uh, like I say, the rules and not too many questions. Which is kind of amazing, um, if you think about it. Uh, doesn't happen very frequently. Uh, pretty cool game. I did not expect to like it so much. Going in, I had some reservations, but after I played it, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Uh, huge red flag, it came with like a bucket of dice, which for me is not really a great sign. I don't mind dice so much, but when there's like 50 of them, I'm just like, uh, this looks pretty scary. But it's really, really well done game. I was just amazed. I recently actually backed uh, Steampunk Rally Fusion, which is the new version coming out sometime soon, and I'm looking forward to that. So that's it. Um, eight. It plays up to eight players. Two to eight. Yeah, I was gonna. I didn't want to say eight, but I knew it was like six or maybe even more. But yeah, eight, and it's kind of simultaneous. So it doesn't. Yeah. I don't think it really matters how many players you play with because you're all doing things mostly this, at the same time. And there's a drafting round which should be the same time as well, assuming everyone is on the same level with the rules. Yeah, I think it would play. I think we played. I don't know about eight, possibly eight. I, I know that we we played maybe. Maybe seven. six or seven. We played a, a large group and it worked well. Yeah, because everything's basically at the same time. But yeah, like you said, my only problem with bringing this game out is if if there's any noobs or, you know, because uh, you can't watch what people are doing. Everybody's doing stuff at the same time. So they could be accidentally cheating and doing really well for themselves. Um, but yeah, I like this game. I think it's interesting. It's It looks really cool too when you build up your... your uh, your vehicle looks like really nice and neat with cards. Yeah. yeah. But I wouldn't I wouldn't play this at two, I don't think. I actually think it would work just as well with two as with six or seven. I haven't really tried it, but I think it'd be fine. Because, yeah, all the basically take that cards are going to happen to the other person, <laughs> which actually maybe not such a not, not such a good experience. Also, you're just know. racing against I'm, one I'm kind person. I'm kind of curious. Like the race against one person doesn't feel that exciting, right? Yeah. It's true. You're either first or you're last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is what my dad always told me. Yeah, there's a kidding. weird aspect of racing games sometimes. Uh, I don't know. Not too many people like racing against time, but there's also like maybe even a soul game to try to finish faster or something in that game. But I don't think that's that kind of a game. But yeah, I agree. Maybe with, I think it's maybe a game with where more people is more fun in that game, I would, I would say. Yeah, that's why I would bring this game. That's why it would go in my bag is like if we have a high player count and for some reason we're not wanting to split right away, this would be a great yeah. game to pull out. And yeah, it doesn't take that much time. 
an hour, an hour tops, I would say, but yeah, like 45 minutes. Yeah. All right. Um, I actually don't have any honorable mentions. It was actually really hard for me to make this list. Um, so, but I'm sure Haristo does maybe Justine. Uh, just kind of going along with the co-op theme. Like I said, I used to really hate co-op games. Not, not hate, but just like they were just super boring until I discovered a few that I like. So other than holding on, I'd say Spirit Island was actually a really pleasant surprise. Going into it, I was like, uh, I don't know about this one, but after playing it, it was really good. Uh, Legends of Andor is kind of a silly family game that for some reason I like, very generic themed. So that's like for co-op games. Uh, number two, there's a, actually a lot of examples of really high take that games, which just sound really bad on paper, but it where they work really well and they're a lot of fun uh in addition to kanja i'd say nagaraja was a really pleasant surprise that way even though i kind of expected to like that one because of the designer because i i'm just like even though it has a lot of take that he can't make that bad of a game i hope so that was kind of my attitude going in but really fun i really like that one uh also ancient terrible things i mentioned it in passing so yeah that's it any honorable mentions you don't no. i don't um you know i would actually like to mention uh target games just in general i would never thought that i would like any games from target but i've gotten a bunch of them and i've been playing some of them and some of them are actually a very pleasant surprise maybe not enough to hit the list but i'm definitely surprised by those and uh i'm working my way through them to do my own bonus episode as i mentioned of uh top 10 thematic target games is what i'm going to call it but those are kind of a surprise uh, for me. I was going to say, Target actually has like legit board games that you would find in board game stores. Usually they don't have them on the shelves, though. You have to order them from the site. I think they had some kind of a sale where I bought a few games, which I don't remember too well, but they were like legit like Euro games and uh, maybe more towards the family side, but they were pretty involved games. You just they just don't put them on shelves usually is the only thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean and they have they have pandemic and they have like Carcassonne and yeah. stuff like that. The ones I'm talking about are like the Target exclusives. Like they come to Target oh, first. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then definitely those, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they and then later on uh the board game websites and stores will be able to chance to get them in, but they come to Target first. Ravensburger has been putting out a lot of those Target exclusive games too. So, um, speaking of Target exclusives, I haven't followed the drama, but Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion is only a Target supposedly, and they ran out because they grossly underestimated the demands, and like millions of people want to buy them, and I think they really ran out. So that's kind of a surprising. Like, who knew this was gonna be a Target? That's a Target exclusive. Yeah, I've yeah. seen him there. I've seen it there. Yeah, I saw it when yeah. I was picking up some other games. Hey, you huh. should have picked it up and like resold, resold it. it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's that's bad practice. But I mean, someone was probably really happy to buy it because I think it like sold out in the first day or something, if I remember correctly. So people are just like complaining that Target doesn't understand board game distribution for popular games like that because you know the Target probably thought like oh it's a board game like you know the usual like Stop Thief no one's gonna care and like it instantly sold out so kind of a surprise yeah yeah they probably just stocked it just like they stocked every every other board game they have yep and didn't think about how big Gloomhaven was they didn't if they would have checked BGG once and saw that Gloomhaven was the <laughs> top game they could have made a better decision. <laughs> yeah. 
But anyway, I'm not sure if that's resolved. Someone was telling me that they were extremely happy that they went on the first day and ordered it online so their copy was held because people were complaining for weeks. Hmm. All right, anything else from you guys? Nope. All right, so that's our show. We'd like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme. Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. You can find her her art at Cat Coffee on Instagram. That's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E. She's selling some art right now for some uh, pretty good causes. So go check her out. Um, Pod, excuse me. Cards and Cubes is a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great podcasts from the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast. And Rabble, 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 which is a humorous look at current events. We will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening.